Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Well, hello, everybody. Mark Levin here, our number, 877 877-381-3811. Well, we're all sitting at the edge of our chairs, aren't we? The Mueller hearings tomorrow. Everybody's telling the Republicans the questions to ask. Now, ladies and gentlemen, first of all, he's in this hearing for five hours. That's nothing. Nothing. Every member won't even get five minutes to ask a question. That's number one. Number two, he has asked that his chief of staff from the time he was special counsel also sit next to him and be sworn in during the course of the testimony. This is new. This just happened today, and the Democrats agree to that. Number three, he's had a front man who's been a Washington operative, a slip-and-fall lawyer for decades, liberal Democrat, who was extremely aggressive in his attacks on Republican presidents and his defense of Democrat presidents, that's been his behind-the-scenes man working with the Democrats on Capitol Hill. I'm thoroughly convinced that Mueller and his team have been working with Nadler and his staff, among others, uh, during the course of this hearing. Then Mueller, the 11th hour, asked the Department of Justice for direction on his testimony. Department of Justice says, just talk about what's in the report and don't go beyond. The media had been reporting that as Bill Barr directing Mr. Mueller on what he can say. So you see, we already have this sort of perverse set of circumstances that are set up for this hearing. Now, it's obvious what they're trying to get out of Mueller. I will predict... I don't have to predict. It's quite obvious. Everybody's talking about it. They want him to say that he would have indicted Trump. That's not a prediction. They're already talking about it. Now, if I were your typical radio host or TV host, I'd be telling you that I predict this, and then when it happens, because it's going to happen, then I would tell you what a genius I am. I don't play games with my audience here. Of course that's what they want to do. What's the whole point of the hearing? They've already told us. Nadler's already told us. It's the second volume. It's obstruction. Now they'll go through, oh, collusion, collusion. Oh, page 27, you say this. Page 28, this. Here's what I want to tell you. Beyond the static that's out there today, Mr. Mueller and his team wrote this outrageous report, 448 pages in 2000. Footnotes. Excellent investigative research done by Eric Felton over there at Real Clear Investigations, pointing out that many of these footnotes are a joke. 
the conclusions and accusations in the report, actually several of them, cite newspaper articles or gossip and so forth. This just demonstrates to you that this kind of report is not contemplated by the Department of Justice regulations. What's contemplated by the Department of Justice regulations is a tight, professionally done prosecutor's report to his boss, the Attorney General of the United States, laying out in a professional fashion uh, what they did and what they didn't do and why. Was it intended for Congress? Was it intended for public consumption? But they wrote a report that was intended for Congress, particularly after the Democrats won the House, and public consumption after Attorney General Barr testified during his confirmation hearings that he would make as much of it as public as possible. So this is an illegitimate report by an illegitimate prosecutor. Even his appointment violated the regulations. Now that said, here's my overarching point. Having written a report with few limits, having written a report with speculation and gossip, among other things, if Robert Mueller believed that Donald Trump should have been indicted, he could have easily written in this report that Donald Trump should be indicted for obstruction, that if we could have, we would have indicted him for obstruction, but for the Department of Justice policy set forth in two memoranda by the Office of Legal Counsel and embraced by the Attorney General and past Attorney Generals and the Department of Justice. That's all he had to say. But he didn't. He didn't put that in his report. Anything he says that's akin to that now is outrageous. It's unconscionable. It's a lie. Let me repeat this for the slow-thinking leftists out there. If Robert Mueller actually believed that Donald Trump should have been indicted for obstruction, he could have said so. He could have written something like this. I'll do it off the top of my head. The office of the special counsel believed that it had husband enough evidence to bring what the office believed was one or more charges of obstruction of justice based on the facts presented in this report. And in fact, this office would have sought to indict the President of the United States but for the existence of the Department of Justice policy set forth in two memoranda authored by the Office of Legal Counsel in which this office was informed remains the official position, the formal position of the Department of Justice and the current Attorney General. They could have written that. I just did it off the top of my head. But they didn't do that. Why? Because the elements of obstruction weren't meant. That's why. Even when they cite to the President's White House counsel, who testified for 30 hours, Testified for 30 hours where the president had a separation of powers grounds to assert executive privilege that would have been bulletproof. The special counsel, really a couple sentences, two paragraphs if you will, in his entire report, speaks of the testimony of the White House counsel, trying to create the impression that the president of the United States 
had, had obstructed. When he states, and I paraphrase, or when they write, that the president's White House counsel said that the president ordered him to tell the Justice Department to remove Mueller. Now, by the way, the Department of Justice looked at this very carefully, including the career individuals at the Department of Justice, and they said there is no obstruction here. Now, why did they say that? Because the reason the President of the United States wanted to remove Mueller is because he believed Mueller, and correctly, was terribly conflicted. In other words, politically and ideologically conflicted based on the, the hiring decisions that he had made. That's not obstruction of justice. You can replace one prosecutor with another. In other words, he didn't say, I want to replace Mueller or I want to fire Mueller to cripple or divert or the end of the investigation, did he? Two other points in this regard. The president said he never said it. And moreover, the president can fire Mr. Mueller for any damn reason he wants to, from a constitutional perspective. So the president's in perfect position when it comes to that interview with the White House counsel at the time, McGahn. If you really have a smart Republican asking questions, and if they have time, they would follow it up with something like this. So Mr. Mueller, I see that you have transcribed part of what White House counsel McGahn had to say. Is that correct? Uh, yes, that's, uh, that's correct. Where's the rest of it? Well, we have it. It's in a Department of Justice vault. Well, what else did he say? Well, I don't remember off the top of my head exactly what he said. Would you please make available to this committee and to the American people all, all of Mr. McGahn's testimony? It strikes me as odd, Mr. Mueller, that after 30 hours of testimony from the president's counsel that you came up with a few sentences. And I suspect you and Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Congress, don't interrupt me. I suspect that you and Mr. Weisberg and the rest, if you thought you had more, you would have put it into your report. You see, what I'm saying, Mr. Mueller, is I want to determine if there's anything that Mr. McGahn, the president's counsel, said that was actually helpful to the president and that you withheld from the American people. Now, of course, the Department of Justice and others may object in releasing the information. But it seems to me at this point, at least the argument should be made to get his entire transcript. 30 hours, and they put in a minute or two of his testimony. That's, that smells very fishy to me, doesn't it to you? And I can play the game, too. There's many other questions I would ask, including, did you or any of your fellow prosecutors ever speak to a member of the media? Would you know? if any of the prosecutors under you ever spoke to a member of the media. Which members of the media? Did you retain the phone records, text messages, emails, yours and those, the members of your staff? Just want to know. There's so much that can be asked. So I won't go through the litany. But the reason I raised the first point about obstruction is because we already know that that's going to be a focus. 
we already know what the Democrats have said and are going to say. Well, they said he, he couldn't indict because of the Department of Justice position. Now, Mueller has talked out of both sides of his mouth on this. On the one hand, he has said, no, 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 no. That's not, that's not the reason we didn't act. That's what he told the Attorney General. Then on the other hand, he implied, or more, that it was because of the Department of Justice position that they didn't act. So this is an important point that I'm making, I think. Mr. Mueller could have very easily, especially in the kind of report he wrote, and for whom he wrote it, the Democrats in the House of Representatives, could have very easily said, yes, we, we wanted to indict, but we couldn't indict. But he doesn't say that. We cannot exonerate. And by the way, by him writing in there, we cannot exonerate the president, that is a statement of fact. No, you can't exonerate the president. You can't exonerate anybody because it's not your job. That's like saying in the report, I can't fry an egg. Okay, great. That's a statement of fact. If you can't fry an egg, you can't fry an egg. And you can't exonerate people either. That's just not something prosecutors do, is it? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus, the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty. With more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit Imprimus.Hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S, dot Hillsdale, dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. Now, Mr. Muller, let's talk about what's not in your report. Just yes or no, please. Since apparently you're not allowed to talk about anything, but it, what is in your report? There's nothing in your report about the, the massive unmasking in the last year of the Obama administration, is there? No. There's nothing at all in your report about Hillary Clinton and the DNC laundering payments, campaign payments, unreported through Perkins Coy to Fusion GPS to Christopher Steele to wrote a dossier that include information from Russian apparatchiks, is there? No. There's nothing in your report about the effort by the Deputy Attorney General and the Deputy FBI Director, that would be Rosenstein and McCabe, respectively, uh, and their 25th Amendment attempt to take out the President of the United States, is there? No. There's nothing in your report about 
the director of the FBI at the time, James Comey, your friend, correct? Yes. Leaking government information, memoranda based on discussions with the president to the New York Times, is there? No. There's nothing in your report, is there, sir, about spies implanted in the Trump campaign by the FBI, is there? No. And go down the list. And if he resists, that's fine, too. Well, I don't know that I'd call it that. Well, I don't know what you would call it anything. You never investigated it, did you? No. I wouldn't ask him, well, why didn't you? We know why he didn't. Just make the record clear that he didn't. Remember, this is really a show for the American people. The Democrat Party tonight and throughout the week, just so you know, has been rehearsing. They've had mock hearings. Are you aware of this, Mr. Producer? It's in the news. They've conducted mock hearings. So incompetent and buffoonish are the Democrats on this committee. They don't trust themselves to actually get this right. So they have to practice. And so they've practiced. So they'll practice interrupting Republicans. They'll practice asserting certain parliamentary rules that may not even exist. They'll practice asking leading questions to Mueller. They'll practice asking questions that Mueller might even be aware of, given the back channel through the operative that's been working with Mueller and with Mueller and the Democrats on the committee. So this is a complete scam. It's a complete charade. But it still could backfire on them. Who knows? And, of course, the Democrats and the Democrat Party media are trying to downplay the potential for a real smoking gun, of course. Well, you know, who knows what it'll be. Probably won't be that. But we're going to cover it wall to wall. Wall to wall. Wall to wall is five hours. Five hours. Now, you know the media want to find something. They want to get their ratings up. They want to get their clicks up on the Internet. And, of course, they want to take out Trump. So you know they want to find something. And so whatever is said, they'll try and angle it. And then they'll bring on Nadler himself. Now, I don't know if Nadler knows this, but much of the country detests him. Much of the country knows he's a fraud and a liar and a buffoon. Same with his uh, colleague, Adam Schiff. These are hardly men who should be holding any kind of hearing. These are men who should be having a hearing. About them. I'll be right back. You know, our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But the vast majority of them have abandoned their missions, locked in the grip of political correctness. They no longer allow free and open discourse. Rejecting the idea of objective truth, they peddle moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, none of this applies to Hillsdale College. For almost two centuries, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. Now, as Hillsdale celebrates its 175th year, it remains committed to offering its students the very best liberal arts education in the land, as well as to extending its mission nationwide through its many outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. 
These include free online courses, the publication of its Free Speech Digest and Primus, its Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, D.C., and its Barney Charter School Initiative, which is helping to establish classical K-12 charter schools nationwide. Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, this is Hillsdale College. And let me add, I think so much of Hillsdale College. I donated an original copy of a compilation of the Federalist Papers, which sit today as I speak at the Kirby Center. Hillsdale College, America's college. He's driving the media mad. Mark Levin, call in with your outrage. 877-381-3811. I, uh, I must say, as an American... And as a Jew, I am quite appalled at the lack of outrage among the Democrats in the halls of Congress at Talib and Omar and AOC, but particularly this Omar and Talib. We can deal with AOC later. I really am. There are a number of Jewish Americans who are elected to the House of Representatives and in New York, Chicago, the L.A. area. Other places, too, but this is where the concentration is. And they sit on their mouths while several of their colleagues who get an enormous amount of press attention are spewing the kind of hate and racism and anti-Semitism that was noteworthy of the Ku Klux Klan in the 1920s when the Democrat Party relied on them for votes. It's incredible to me. Their silence is appalling. Also, when you watch these various cable shows, I don't, but I do get clips and I get information about them. For instance, Joe Scarborough. Say what you will about Joe Scarborough. Joe Scarborough has spent almost no time criticizing the vile, hateful anti-Semitism that is being spewed by Omar and Talib. He may hit it in passing in a rare moment. But there's been no serious, significant criticism of them by Joe Scarborough or Mika Brzezinski. And Mika Brzezinski in particular, given her father, you would think that she would wake up to this, but of course not. The whole lineup there at MSNBC. Michael Steele, who's a guest, former RNC head. You don't hear from him. Nicole Wallace, a former McCain operative. Not from her. Not from her. Rachel Maddow, loved by left-wing elites. Nothing from her. Is it because this is a network that employs Al Sharpton? This is a network that has this guy Dyson on repeatedly and others. They're silent. 
Look at CNN. Wolf Blitzer's Jewish. Jake Tapper's Jewish, I think. There are others. How do they sit there and, as Americans, seeing what's taking place here and not spend a relatively significant amount of focus on this? This guy, Brian Stelter, I don't know what he is, but every Sunday it's the same thing. Trash Trump, trash Fox. He's supposed to be their media guy. He's writing a book on Trump and Fox. You know, we look overseas in Europe and we see the rise of anti-Semitism in France and Paris in particular and London and uh, England generally. You look at it in the Middle East, it's happening right here. And among others, it's happening within the Democrat Party. And it's in the media. Just as the media covered up the Holocaust, the media is covering this. It's actually worse. The media are telling you that it's Trump who's the racist and or anti-Semite. That it's Trump. When he has no history, there's no substantive events or to support this whatsoever. Now, Rashida Tlaib is a loathsome, hateful human being. And she was on the floor of the House today. And there is a vote on something called this anti-BDS movement. And the way CNN reports it, the House has set the vote this evening on a non-binding resolution that opposes the boycott movement against Israel. A vote that will get broad bipartisan support but faces pushback from some high-profile progressives. Progressives. Not Republicans. Not conservatives. But progressives. The resolution was introduced in March, not long after Democrats faced a bruising internal debate over how to handle comments and tweets by Representative Ilhan Omar that were criticized as being anti-Semitic. See, we're criticized as being anti-Semitic. Trump's comments were racist, not criticized as being racist, but Omar's comments are criticized as being anti-Semitic. You see the difference? Exposing the divide within the Democrat Party over Israel and U.S. policy towards the country. Now, this is new, is it not? So now the Democrat Party is divided over Israel. You can thank Barack Obama for this and John Kerry. And if Rand Paul has his way, the same thing will happen within the Republican Party. Introduced by a bipartisan group of members, the resolution supports a two-state solution. I don't. Argues that global boycott, divestment, and sanctions, that's the BDS movement, is an effort to delegitimize Israel and urges Israelis and Palestinians to return to direct negotiations as the only way to achieve an end to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Now, this is your usual pablum, but it's, it's, it's inoffensive in every way. Inoffensive in every way. It also recognizes the right of an American citizen, quote, to protest or criticize the policies of the United States or foreign governments. Depre- Democratic Representative Jerry Nadler, who chairs the House Judiciary Committee, and Republican Representative Lee Zeldin of New York, 
and Ann Wagner, Missouri, were initial co-sponsors of the resolution. Fine. Omar, as well as Talib, have been openly supportive of the BDS movement and critical of this resolution. Talib tweeted earlier this month that the resolution is unconstitutional and aims to silence opposition to Israel's policies. Now, that's absurd, of course. Absolutely nuts. In response to her criticism, Democratic Representative Brad Schneider of Illinois, the lead co-sponsor of the resolution, said on CNN, the bill does nothing of the sort. Does not stop any speech about Israel or anything else. It recognizes the legitimate purpose and just ends of boycotts throughout history, but not every boycott is legitimate or just. Schneider called the movement anti-Semitic, but would not say whether its supporters are anti-Semitic. This this is what bugs me. They'll call Trump a racist all day long, even though he's not. But you have out of the closet, vicious anti-Semites and they won't call them that. Earlier this year, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi praised Schneider's resolution. But now the division among Democrats over Israel has been front and center at times this year, an emotional disagreement that falls along generational and ideological divides. doesn't fall along generational divides. We have a new group Immigrants or the children of recent immigrants who are coming into the country from other parts of the world, like Somalia, like the Middle East, some Palestinians, some Muslims, what have you, they get elected because we have growing concentrations of individuals from these parts of the world in our own country. I'm just telling you the truth. Whether it's around the Detroit area, or around Minneapolis, St. Paul, or other parts of the country. And so individuals like this are getting elected. They're not assimilating into our culture. They're not assimilating into our system. They have a hate on for the country. They have a hate on for Israel. And that's what you see taking place in the House of Representatives among the Democrats. It's that simple. And this will only get worse and it will only grow because these individuals are celebrated with the hardcore Marxist socialist left in this country. They call themselves progressives. And they are promoted and given platforms far beyond their, their representation and their power by cable TV stations and newspapers and networks. That's what's going on. If we're going to condemn violent means of resisting the occupation, we can also condemn nonviolent means, Omar, who sits on the Foreign Affairs Committee, said last week at the markup of the anti-BDS resolution. We cannot simultaneously say we want peace and openly oppose peaceful means to hold our allies accountable, meaning choking off Israel economically. The GOP-controlled Senate passed anti-BDS legislation earlier this year that would go farther than the House's anti-BDS resolution. So basically, they had to water it down in the House to accommodate this this gang of anti-Semitic leftists that are uniquely in the House of Representatives, not in the Senate. Now, 
Rashida Tlaib, the daughter of two Palestinian immigrants from the Middle East. She's on the floor of the House today. Here in part is what she says. Cut three. Go. The right to boycott is deeply rooted in the fabric of our country. What was the Boston Tea Party but a boycott? Where would we be now without the boycott led by civil rights activists in the 1950s and 60s, like the Montgomery bus boycott and the United Farm Workers grape boycott? Some of this country's most important advances in racial equality and equity and workers' rights has been achieved through collective action protected by our Constitution. Americans of conscience have long and proud history of participating in boycotts specifically to advocate for human rights abroad. Americans boycotted Nazi Germany in response to dehumanization, imprisonment, and genocide of Jewish people. This is amazing that she would use that in this context. She has no concept of what the hell she's talking about. She's just so filled with hate. She was so indoctrinated with hate, obviously by her family, that this is how she talks and thinks. This would be like the Americans during the colonial times having a boycott, not against the King of England, but against the French who were helping them, with whom they were allied. Wouldn't make any sense, would it? Or the civil rights activists. The civil rights activists. It's the Jews in the Middle East who are the civil rights activists. While the Muslims, that control one country after another, brutalize their people. They're not civil rights activists. Not even in their own countries. She's trying to give the patina of legitimacy to what is naked bigotry. That's what she's trying to do. You understand she is celebrated by the neo-Nazis in the Klan, this Talib. That's who she is. That's how she speaks. More when I return. Mark Lovin. Every human being has a common problem. How do I live well? Our happiness and well-being depends on how we answer that question. Hillsdale College President Larry Arn argues that the best book ever written on this subject is Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics. And a new free online course from Hillsdale College shares Aristotle's teachings that will help you lead the most complete, happy life possible. Register for this free course, Introduction to Aristotle's Ethics, How to Lead a Good Life, featuring lessons from the greatest self-help book ever written at levinforhillsdale.com. In just 10 on-demand videos, each only 30 minutes long, you'll learn how to confront the chief obstacles to happiness and make the choices that build good character. Aristotle presents a guide for securing a virtuous life. And if you take this free course from Hillsdale and heed Aristotle's advice, your life will change for the better. You can learn how to lead a good life just as every Hillsdale College student does. It's yours for free. At LevinforHillsdale.com. That's L E V I N for Hillsdale.com.
Now, uh, Ilian Omar in 2016, I believe we've played this before, but I've been reminded about it, and there's a wonderful piece by CBN, the Christian Broadcasting Network, one of my favorite networks, by the way. And uh, she's being interviewed, and listen to this from Omar. Go ahead. A lot of conservatives in particular would say that the rise in Islamophobia is a result not of hate, but of fear, a legitimate fear, they say, of quote-unquote jihadist terrorism, whether it's Fort Hood or San Bernardino or the recent truck attack in New York. Uh, what do you say to them? I would say uh, uh, our, our country should be more fearful um, of, of, of white men across our country because they are actually um, causing uh, most of the deaths within this country. We should be uh, profiling, monitoring... Um, actually, white men are not. I won't get into it in this particular program, but white men are not causing most deaths in this country. Go ahead. And, uh, and, and creating policies to fight the radicalization of white men. Mm-hmm. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. The problem is white men. They're the ones who are radicalized. They're the terrorists. Just thought you'd want to know. Just what's going on out there. You got Beto O'Rourke on Bloomberg yesterday. I just want you to listen what's coming out of the mouth now of the Democrats. Not only are they failing to condemn this anti-Semitism and racism, they are full-blown participants in it. Beto O'Rourke on Bloomberg yesterday. I want you to listen to this language. Cut five, go. Do you think that President Trump is racist? First of all, what kind of question is that? From a reporter to O'Rourke. It's a setup. It is a disgrace. What is the purpose of a question like that? Other than to elicit an outrageous comment. Go ahead. Do you think that President Trump is a racist? Yes, President Trump is a racist. Um, what we saw in North Carolina last week was almost an impromptu Nuremberg rally, inciting hatred, and, and ultimately, I think, implicit in that is violence against people based on the color of their skin, based on their religion, based on their difference from the majority of Americans. A Nuremberg rally. That's what you saw in North Carolina, a Nuremberg rally? Really? Nazis. The Nazi party had, what he's saying is the Nazi party had annual rallies from about uh, in, the, in the early 1930s to the late 1930s in Nuremberg. You've seen them on TV or you've seen documentaries with the massive rallies and the marching of the Nazi soldiers and so forth. That is what he's saying. Took place in North Carolina. This is, this, we've reached such a low point in our politics today, it's really, it's unimaginable what's being said about Trump and Trump supporters, what's being said about Jews, what's being said about white people. I'll be back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, 
everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, The great Star Parker, great uh, lady and true civil rights activist and a syndicated columnist by creators, and an African-American woman, by the way. Nora O'Donnell, that would be a, a woman of color. Somebody, though, who you will never promote or you will never even engage with. She points out in the column today that the first rule on the list of rules for radicals, you know, Saul Linsky's uh, famous book, is power is not only what you have, but what the enemy thinks you have. And she says, our age of technology and social media adds immeasurable power to Alinsky's advice to gain attention way beyond the support you actually have. Another Alinsky rule, ridicule is man's most potent weapon. And that provides the ammunition. And so you can see that these are, in the end, Alinskyites. These women of color are Alinskyites. As another woman of color, Star Parker, points out. Joe Scarborough, to the best of my knowledge, is neither a woman nor of color. In fact, he is translucent. Uh, And he's transfixed with his own ego and narcissism. And if you've read Unfreedom of the Press, you'll know that there's a section in the book, and I've read it to you before, some, most of it, that is this particular three or four pages of the book, uh, of the most outrageous things that have been said about the president. And more times than not, Joe Scarborough appears. Because Joe Scarborough is a failed politician. He was a backbencher. Failed at radio. Was really a failure on TV until MSNBC saved him, so to speak. Now he's a small fish in a small pond. And I mean that. I have more viewers on my Sunday show at 10 p.m. than he does prime time in the mornings. And I want you to listen to the hate and the venom that comes from this man. And you wonder why there's growing violence. And you wonder why there's growing anti-Semitism. And you wonder why there's a growing racial divide. It comes from the left. It comes from the media. The media are promoting it. When you look at a fool like Joe Scarborough, you want whether you know you're old enough to remember Chet Huntley and David Brinkley, or even Walter Cronkite, who was a leftist, but he concealed it most of the time. Howard K. Smith. I mean, honest to God, this is supposed to be a news program in the morning when you have a deliverance boy and his wife. It's just it's it's a clown show. Most of TV is a clown show now. But take a listen to this. Hat tip to Newsbusters. Cut seven. Go. When do you sound that political uh, alarm? There are certain things we are not allowed to say. But I must say the last week uh, we have seen the United States of America go from electing a candidate who promised to keep Muslims out of America. Okay, first of all, he didn't promise to keep Muslims out of America. He wanted a system in place to protect the American people in order to ensure that people coming into this country would do no harm to the American people. That's the job of a president. And among other countries, he identified certain countries with majority Muslim populations 
that are known for terrorism and that, and that are at civil war. Because the vetting process is an impossibility. And he picked, I believe, largely the same countries that Obama had picked earlier. But you see how they create these big lies, and they just keep repeating them. Go ahead. Who, who prayed against that discrimination and that bigotry, talking about a Muslim registry like mm-hmm. the Nazis had a Jewish A registry. Muslim registry. When our country, let, let me explain something to you, Scarborough. It's not called a Muslim registry. The FBI, other domestic law enforcement agencies, as well as intelligence agencies, have lists and keep tracks of organizations and individuals in organizations overseas and at home who are a threat or a perceived threat to the nation. You may not be aware of this. This has been going on for decade after decade after decade. And there are multiple Muslim-centric organizations overseas that have announced their intentions. They don't make any secret of it. Ladies and gentlemen, you would think we haven't been through 9-11 when you listen to this guy, Scarborough. So it's not a Muslim registry like the Nazis had a Jewish registry where the Nazis were taking in, forcing into their, their territory and into their country Jews from all walks of life who never threatened anybody in order for the purpose of exterminating them. How in the hell can this man remain on TV? I'm quite serious about this. How in the hell do these people remain on TV with their statements, with their grotesque, ignorant, outrageous, provocative statements like this? When are the executives at MSNBC and CNN, when are they going to start paying attention to what they're putting out over the, over the airwaves? This is absolutely appalling. The lies, the disinformation, the spin. When you have this kind of a hate on for a president, honest to God, there ought to be some kind of self-policing. But there's none. Absolutely none. There's no registry of Muslims like the Nazis had of Jewish registry. Do we have a registry of all the Muslims in this country? They're being rounded up and pushed into, into ovens and the gas chambers and being shot into large uh, uh, um, graves that they're forced to dig for themselves. What the hell are we talking about here? And this fool is embraced by Democrats and liberals and by media types. It's sick beyond belief. Go ahead. And now we've moved from that to a president who is now talking about kicking out American citizens. Now, he's not talking about kicking out American citizens. He didn't say he would kick out anybody. That is, that is another absolute lie. Did he say he was kicking these congresswomen out, Mr. Producer? He never said he was kicking anybody out. Now, I might remind this peanut brain that it was Dwight Eisenhower who rounded up one million illegal aliens and forced them out of the country. Was he a racist, too? The man 
among others, but certainly one of the one of the most prominent, certainly, who won World War II. Was he a Nazi too, Joe? You fool. He never said he was kicking out American citizens. The hell are you talking about, moron? Go ahead. Be they Muslims or Hispanics or black women that he just doesn't like, which he says they are, quote, lucky to be here. So it's just unbelievable to me. And by the way, Omar is lucky to be here. Her parents applied to come here, refugee status. Is there any question about that? In fact, I would say I'm lucky to be here. We're all lucky to be here. But putting that aside, he didn't say what Joe Scarborough said he said. This is absolutely outrageous. And the fact that Comcast allows us to go on, I don't know. Am I, com- I, I have to cancel this Comcast. I, I, don't, I don't know what I have here. I'm going to have to find out. I don't really pay attention to this stuff. But the fact that Comcast pays this SOB to sit there day in, day out, to be a, a brutish illiterate with his dramatic readings, which may please his wife, but is utterly disgusting if you have a 7 IQ or higher is unbelievable to me. Go ahead. We look at this FT article, and I'm wondering, Gene, when is the time to sound the alarm? When is the time to start saying, well, does this look like Germany in 1932? Does this look like Germany in 1933? Is now the time to start asking that question? Unbelievable. And, of course, it's Gene Robinson, who is a complete left-wing clown, Washington Post. By the way, he's, he's either chairman or on the Pulitzer Prize Committee. Does this look like Germany in 1932 or 33? Incredible to me. Absolutely incredible to me. Germany, 1932 or 33. Look how he lies, he spins, and he leads up. Germany, 1932 or 33. Scarborough, you slob, you don't even know what the hell you're talking about. You want to look at Germany, 1932 or 33? Listen to Omar. Listen to Talib, the two women you're defending. The anti-Semite wing of the Democrat Party. The anti-Semite wing of the United States media. Ask your friends at the New York Times how they treated the Holocaust and the lead-up to the Holocaust. In fact, ask your friends at the Washington Post. Ask the American media, period. Nazi Germany, ladies and gentlemen. We have a president of the United States who has supported the state of Israel like few others. And now he's Hitler. This is what our media have turned into. Our media are helping to destroy this nation and any comedy, C-O-M-I-T-Y, and any comedy that used to exist. So what does Eugene Robinson have to say Cut eight, go. Well, the time to start sounding an alarm, uh, a general alarm, was, was some time ago. Uh, and, it, and people should be screaming now. I mean, the alarm should be at full volume. So, ladies and gentlemen, they encourage Antifa. They encourage these women. The race baiting, the racism, the anti-Semitism. 
They're encouraging this on MSNBC. The media has taken point, as I point out in my book. The media are not really part of the Democrat Party. They are the Democrat Party. They're in control of the Democrat Party. So now Eugene Robinson says, you should be screaming about Trump. The alarm should be full volume. Go ahead. You know, one thing you um, most columnists um, wisely resolve uh, is uh, don't bring out the 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 Hitler Germany analogy. Uh, you know that that's you, you never use that. Um, we're getting close. I mean, we're getting to the point where we're getting close, ladies and gentlemen. So Donald Trump is directing the United States Army, the United States Marines, all the military branches, to get ready to round up American citizens by train, by plane, by truck, by car, by any means necessary, and to take them to concentration camps where obviously there are ovens already built. There are mass graves being dug. Where there are bunks being built, where there's going to be slave labor. Donald Trump, that's what he's up to, ladies and gentlemen, don't you know? It's time to sound the alarm, scream at the top of your lungs. Donald Trump is Hitler, the Third Reich is here. Not Omar, not Talib, how dare you question them, they're women of color. How dare you question them, they're Muslims, no, 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 no. How dare you question AOC? She's our darling. She's Hispanic. How dare you question Bernie Sanders? Yes, he's a white male. But he's a leftist. How dare you question anybody that they support? So the Third Reich types, in my humble opinion, with their anti-Semitism and their anti-Israel... They're not focused on Iran. They're not focused on North Korea. They're not focused on Zimbabwe. They're not focused on what China's doing to the Muslims. No, it's Israel, the Jews. It's America, the white guys. They're the problem, you see. They're the problem. We're getting close, he says, Eugene Robinson. We're getting close to Nazi Germany. Go ahead. You need to start just looking at the historical precedent and and understanding that, um, you know, history doesn't repeat. It, it rhymes. All right, whatever. Whatever. Now, these people are very wealthy. They hang around wealthy people. They'll finish their show in the morning. They'll go out and have wonderful lunch, wonderful dinner. They'll be socializing with one another in New York and Washington, D.C. The summer, they'll go to the Hamptons or wherever they go. The winter, they'll go to, I guess in the case of the Scarboroughs, Jupiter Island, whatever. They're having a grand old life while trashing their fellow American. We have reached the lowest point of the media in America, utterly irresponsible, no moral standards, unprofessional, 
vitriolic, completely out of control. Completely out of control. We do not have a free press in this this nation, ladies and gentlemen. This is what we have. This is what we have. Loathsome ideologues, others who are taking out their personal narcissistic issues on TV and so forth. We do not have a serious professional media with true standards and self-policing anymore. This is what we have. To quote a congresswoman, we have complete garbage here. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now, you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. These people are utterly toxic. Cory Booker was on Late Night with Seth Meyers last night. Now we're reaching a point where they're saying they want to physically attack the President of the United States. Have you ever heard anything like that before? Cut 11. Let's start with that. Go. I was running on a uh, Iowa stage, and we were so psyched. Hundreds of people there. I'm about to jump up, and this guy sees me, the former tight end from Stanford University. He's a big guy. He puts his arm around me, and he goes, Dude, I want you to punch Donald Trump in the face. And I stop in my tracks, and I go, Dude, that's a felony, man. <laughs> and, 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 you know, the, 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 this uh, Donald Trump is a guy who you understand he hurts you. And, you, and my testosterone sometimes makes me want to uh, uh, feel like punching him, and uh, which would be bad for this elderly, out of shape man that he is yeah. if I did that. <laughs> um, uh, this physically, physically weak specimen. All right, all right, that's enough. This is comedy tonight. This is comedy today. This clown, Seth Myers, people applauding, the clapping seals. This clown, Cory Booker, who couldn't run a city, that can run his mouth, says he wants to physically punch the president of the United States. Now, have you ever heard anything like that before, other than Joe Biden? But have you ever heard it about another president? You think people would be applauding then if it had been said about Obama? I'll be right back. Using Mark, we'll be glad to clear that up for you. Call him now at 877-381-3811. I would let Joe Scarborough know that a basic search of the public records on the Internet would indicate that long before Donald Trump was president of the United States, the United States government kept lists of Muslims, certain types of Muslims, dangerous, 
terrorist links. Kept lists. Obama kept lists. Clinton kept lists. The Bushes kept lists. The FBI has a list right now having nothing to do with this president. Should they get rid of the list, Joe? Is that what they should do? You conspiracy nut? You demagogue? Should we get rid of the list? Absolute fool. Absolute clown. You know, few things in life can change your entire outlook on the day. A call from your boss asking you to work the weekend. Early construction right outside your bedroom window in the morning you wanted to sleep in. Now these will ruin your day. Or how about when your check engine light comes on? Now that usually means thousands of dollars in repairs. That's why I have CarShield. And we have it on our 2010 Camaro. CarShield makes the process of fixing your car for a covered repair super easy. And you can have your favorite mechanic or dealership do the work. It's your choice. They also provide 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed for free. CarShield administrators have paid out close to $2 billion in claims, and they're ready to help you. Don't let your check engine light change your life. Get covered by the ultimate in extended vehicle protection like I did. Call 800-CAR-6000, 800-CAR-6000, mention code LEVIN, or go to the Internet and visit CarShield.com, CarShield.com. Use code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, to save 10%. That's CarShield.com, code LEVIN, or call 800-CAR-6000, mention code LEVIN. A deductible may apply. All right, let's circle back to the dead. I spent a lot of time on this last night. There's a lot of foolishness being propagated today from conservatives, some in think tanks, some on radio, some on TV, wherever, who want you to believe, no, that's, you know, it's not that big of a deal. It's okay to surrender your principles that you've held for all these decades. It's okay to, to park your rationality and common sense about debt. It's okay if the government balloons up the debt, even though you shouldn't do it in your own life. It's not a problem. You know, this debt thing, you can see negatives, you can see positives. Look, politically, it's positive. It gets the president through the next two years. For the Democrats, it gets them through the next two years. We don't have a government shutdown. So that politics is out of play. President won't be blamed for stuff. Plus, the president has said, you know, my second term, that's when I'm really going to cut spending. Have you heard this kind of thing today? You've heard it a lot today, haven't you? Well, that's snake oil salesman stuff. I do not understand, including some callers to this program, how people can hold to a principle and all of a sudden surrender it. That's what liberals do. The ends justify the means. The way you get the government to work for you, ladies and gentlemen, and your children and grandchildren, is not to go along to get along, but when necessary, to step up and speak out. The pressure always comes from the left. The pressure always comes to spend. Pressure always comes from people who think they're entitled. We conservatives, Tea Party and the rest, 
If we don't object when we should object, then nobody's going to object. So there's a lot of snake oil salesmen out there. You've probably been listening to them or watching them on TV or reading them. All of a sudden, they're telling you feel-good stuff. I respect you too much to treat you that way. I respect you too much to try and dumb down the discussion here. This is a real, live, big problem that we have in this country. No, not systemic racism, but systemic debt. And it's getting worse and worse and worse, and it almost doesn't matter who the president is or who runs Congress. And we're going to reach a point where there's nothing that can be done except hold on to your chairs. And then it'll be too late. Well, who did this and who did that? You can see how societies fail. You can see how they collapse. Whether it's the Weimar Republic, whether it's Venezuela, whether it's the ancients, Athens, Rome, whatever it is. You can see it in our own country, various states, how people are escaping these states. Because they can't meet their pension payments soon and the taxes are through the roof. See, I have respect for you. I believe you can reason. You understand common sense. I have respect for you. I don't try and and lead you into stupid places. So there is no good reason for this. Temporary political decisions are not good decisions. Temporary political decisions to accommodate the left and to accommodate the media are not good decisions. And if we don't make the case to fund our military, to fund our our absolute essential aspects of the federal government, and to cut other areas of the government, which really the government shouldn't be involved in in the first place, and nobody's going to make the case. If conservatives in Congress don't make the case, if the president doesn't make the case, if conservatives in talk radio and on Fox don't make the case, the case is not going to be made and it's not going to be heard. Worse yet are the excuses that are made. Well, you know, we got the Democrats in the House. So why are they winning? You know, we did have the Republicans in the House and the Senate, too. Same with immigration and the border. The Republicans controlled the House, the Senate, and the presidency under Bush for his first six years. What happened? Nothing happened. So all the Republicans had to do, as our buddy Daniel writes, Horowitz, Daniel Horowitz, all they had to do when they won the 2016 election was to hold the line on the budget bill they helped pass in 2011 when they only controlled one branch of the government. Instead, first, with control of all three branches, and now with control of two of the three, they're about to undo the one spending success of the past decade. And with it, preempt any leverage they have to pressure Democrats on a single issue. There's a bigger problem than this. Forget about the pom-pom boys, ladies and gentlemen. Forget about the cheerleaders in radio and TV. This is a serious matter. If I wanted to jack up my ratings, I'd have a completely different program than this. It would be constant positivity in the face of danger. Hey, women and children, hey. Here's the truth. 
in too many areas, and if not in most areas, the progressives in Washington, D.C. have won. They've won. Now the debate is just how far we go. The Democrats are completely out of control. But nobody's holding to the Constitution in any significant way. Nobody's holding to rational fiscal policy in any significant way. Nobody. And if you say, well, we've got these, these entitlements and they're untouchable, you're, you're underscoring the point, which is they've won. Because on the one hand, those who refuse to cut the size of government and the borrowing and the spending, they say, look, it's not the discretionary spending, it's the entitlements. And yet, when it comes to discretionary spending, it's up 20%, 20% over Obama's last year. So they won't even control that let alone the entitlements. So they're telling you, we can't touch the entitlements. But the Democrats want to touch them. They're already talking about Medicare for everybody, eliminating Medicare and replacing it with a centralized government-run Stalinist-type health care system. They're more than happy to control it. The Republicans are done. They've surrendered. Forget about Obamacare. We're not touching it. Forget about the debt. We're not touching it. They could have done something on the border long before Trump was elected. We're not touching it. Honest to God, other than not being the, the hardcore, radical, Alinsky wing of the Democrat Party, they're basically placeholders. And this is why we're going to lose more and more elections. This is why the Democrats are taking over the country through immigration and other means. So in many respects, the progressives have won, and we live in a post-constitutional period. I'm not trying to depress you, but don't listen to these Pollyanna candy-ass types who are telling you over and over again, well, there's actually a lot of good here, depending on how... No, no, there's not a lot of good here with this budget. There's a lot of bad. And moreover, we're funding with debt that your children and grandchildren are going to have to pay the very swamp that you complain about. Where do you think this money's going? Much of it's going to Democrat Party constituencies. Much of it's going into the government. It's not going to you. It's not going to stabilize any of this stuff. It's It's being taken from you and your children and your grandchildren and generations yet born. This money's not being used to strengthen liberty, to strengthen constitutionalism, to strengthen private property rights. It's being used for the opposite, against you, your own hard-earned money. And when an economic system begins to collapse, you can't stop it. I'm not talking about a recession. I'm not even talking about a depression. I'm talking about massive inflation or deflation. It changes governments. It eliminates constitutions. It destroys civil societies. That's what it does. And if Joe Scarborough wants to talk about Nazi Germany, first he ought to talk about the Weimar Republic and what took place there. Printing money, printing money. What do you think we're doing? The monetary system can't keep up with the spending on the fiscal side. I'm not going to come to you. I trust you too much. And lie to you. Well, this is okay because, you know, we control the White House and the Senate, and it's all right. Gives us two. It's no, it's not okay. It's not okay. But what worries me is there's not a damn thing we can do about it. 
doesn't matter who you elect in the House. It doesn't matter who you elect in the Senate. It doesn't matter who you elect, period. It appears to be there's not a damn thing you can do about it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. By the way, I'm just not clever enough, if that's the right formulation, to trick you into thinking that massive annual deficits, massive debt, that insatiable federal bureaucracy, the swamp, led by politicians who most of us despise, is a good thing, or that there is a, a silver lining. There's no silver lining. For all my life, when I've paid attention to these things, as well as when I've been behind this microphone, there's always been the, well, we'll handle it next year. We'll handle it in two years, maybe 10 years from now. Right, Mr. Producer? Pretty much? Wait till I'm reelected. Wait till we control the House. Wait till we control the House, the Senate. How many times have you folks heard that when it comes to immigration, too? Well, we have controlled them. We have. We did. And we're going to have to come to grips with the fact that the progressives have won in many respects. They're on the ascendancy. And Donald Trump's done a hell of a job of fighting them, but in the budget, we've lost. He's fighting them on immigration. He deserves our support 100%. He's fighting them in the courts. He deserves our support 100%. You understand. But where the body politic regardless of parties or individuals, cannot do that which must be done in order to save this republic for the long haul. We need to speak out. It's our country in the end. And we need to put pressure on the political levers of government while we still can. This is also why I'm a big advocate of Article 5, Convention of States. You won't hear another host in America, certainly not another national host in America, who is repeatedly and constantly pushing this movement. Because it's the Constitution that will save us, which is exactly why they attack it. I don't know how you can be against the swamp and keep feeding it with debt. So let's not fool ourselves. We're mature adults here. We're mature adults here. 
I think people stay up at night and get up early in the morning and get in front of TV cameras or behind the microphone or get their columns ready, trying to be very, very clever about how this can be a positive thing and it's a good thing the president's doing this because of this, that, and the other thing, or they walk a fine line. This is something that requires some guts. It requires some serious principled argumentation. Now's not the time for quizlings. The left is on the march. The left is on the march. One of the reasons we so admire this president is because of his brazenness. And I say that in a very positive way. Well, guess what? We should share in that too. He's the general. We're the infantry in this political situation. But he should hear our advice too. And we should be fighting the left. We should fight these efforts to destroy us from within this fifth column because that's exactly what they're going to do. The problem is, and my, my thinking on this is, the center keeps moving left. The center keeps moving left. I'll repeat it so they can repeat it again. Things I say here somehow wind up on Fox by a number of these, these people. It, it's okay. But the center keeps moving left. So the center today is not what it was 25 years ago. It's moved left. We're the real resistance. We conservatives and constitutionalists. You know, bad news always comes on a Friday in Washington. It was reported last Friday the administration officials in Washington are prepping a budget deal with Nancy Pelosi that we've talked about. Now, it's going to bust through binding spending caps by imposing, among other things, socialist pricing controls on drugs and Medicare. Gets worse. Placing inflationary caps, as they call them, on drug prices won't help seniors afford drugs. It's a gimmick. Prices go above an arbitrary level. The federal government will assess a fee, or what most of us call a tax. And where will that money go? Well, get this. Much of it will be spent on Nancy Pelosi's favorite projects. Not only that, experts and conservatives point out this deal with Pelosi would actually increase seniors' Medicare premiums and out-of-pocket expenses. They might want to remember that our senior friends, so many of them proud listeners, vote as well. In fact, they vote more than most. Price controls are bad enough, but robbing Medicare patients to pay off Pelosi? Don't our seniors deserve better? Don't we all? Get the facts. Go to truehealthcarefacts.com. That's truehealthcarefacts.com. Truehealthcarefacts.com. I just posted a uh, speech at the U.N. Security Council by Jason Greenblatt. This is a very, very fine man I've gotten to know. Particularly as you get about three and a half, four, four and a half minutes into it, I think you'll find it quite compelling. Uh, he, uh, he's very straightforward and very moral in what he is saying, so you might want to check that out. Also, during the break, perfect time to run to Amazon.com. I'd hate to lose to Michelle Obama and her silly book which I know she didn't write. Get your copy of Unfreedom of the Press. I'll be right back. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods But what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet 
which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. A few broadcasting scheduling issues. Please don't miss the show tomorrow night. I mean, I think we'll have the definitive discussion about the Mueller hearings. I will also be on Hannity tomorrow night, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I'll be on Fox and Friends Thursday morning. You don't need to write all this down. Not that you would. At 8.30, I'll be on Jesse Waters, Waters World, Saturday, and of course, Life, Liberty, and Levin. And on Life, Liberty, and Levin on Sunday, we will have two former attorneys general, Ed Meese and Mukasey, two great attorneys general. Ed Meese for Ronald Reagan, Mukasey for, obviously, George W. Bush. And we will all three analyze what took place in the Mueller hearings. So you won't want to miss that. I don't know that those two men have ever been in the same show at the same time, but it'll be a great honor of mine. Outstanding men who will help us analyze what will have taken place. Uh, and you'll watch the media coverage, of course, and you'll be extraordinarily frustrated with it. And those of you who are now fully informed about the history of the media and where we are today with the media, you'll understand it. You'll be able to cope better. You won't like it, neither will I, but you'll be able to cope better. Um, I want to talk a second to police officers in this country, even more broadly, law enforcement officers. And also, the NYPD. I have a special affection for the NYPD. I started my radio career in New York. When I go to New York, which is not often, whether I do radio or TV, I'm always stopped by NYPD, by police officers there. And they are some of the greatest cops on the planet. And they are having a hell of a time because they have one of the worst mayors ever, DiCamio. Imagine having a boss who doesn't have your back. Imagine having a boss who is hostile to you, like a street thug. Watching these videos where police officers have water poured on them, a bucket of water, watching another one where police officers literally hit in the head with a bucket, 
how, how shameful is this? How disgraceful is this? Because they know they turn around and defend themselves or they try to apprehend these hoodlums that it will be turned into a race issue, a civil rights issue. They know that the mayor will not back them, that they will be said to have overreacted. Our civil society, I tell you over and over and over again, is under attack. This is what the left does. This is what the left does. It's under attack. Our, our police are under attack. I want to thank Obama. He started that in many ways. Our military is under attack. I want to thank Obama. He started that in many ways. Our history, the birth of our nation, our principles are under attack. And say what you will about the president. He loves this country. He's trying to defend this country against the most radical elements. You don't have to agree with everything. It doesn't matter. He stands between us and them. That's clear. And he's taken a lot of incoming for it. A lot of incoming for it. But these hoodlums who are doing this to our police officers who are armed are going to be preying on the citizenry generally. Most citizens in most major cities aren't armed because in most major cities you can't get carry permits. But you're watching the demise of the society. I've been calling it the unraveling of the civil society. I've written about it. I see that's another phrase that's out there, but that's good. That's what's taking place. You know, uh, my father's last book was called Our Police. And it was written and illustrated by him and in every respect. And it was his last book. It was published on October 30th. He passed away on October 15th. He never got to see the book in the bookstores, on the bookshelves. He always liked to drive and see, you know, to it, Barnes and Noble or what have you and check it out. He never got to see it, but he he was so uh, supportive of the police. And we've had police in our family, most of whom worked for the Philadelphia Police Department. Tough city, Philadelphia. In fact, I can count one, two, three. Three uncles, there are various parts of the family. Work for the Philadelphia Police Department. Uh, I've got my man Danny, who worked for a police department in uh, in New Jersey. But even if I didn't, I mean, the fact is, ladies and gentlemen, these people have chosen to put on these uniforms and to try and keep peace and order. That's what they do. They're not the enemy. I don't want to hear any more about systemic racism. In most of our major cities, the majority of the officers are minorities. I mean, there are criminals out there. There are nasty people out there. There are people who steal, who burgle, who rape, who murder, other forms of assault and so forth. I mean, unless you want to live in a completely 
an anarchical society where you can't be safe. I mean, what, what, what are we doing attacking our institutions left and right? We attack capitalism, the founders, private property rights, success, police officers, the military, ICE, the Border Patrol. What do these people want? They want to destroy our country. That's what they want. That's what they want. And so in this program, we defend our cops. Now, I see John Stewart's been out there, and I give him kudos for his support of the first responders in 9-11. But I have to be honest with you folks. We need to support the cops all the time. I'm not talking about bad apples, whether they're lawyers or whatever they're. Man is imperfect. Man's institutions aren't perfect, but you don't burn them down. And I look forward to seeing John Stewart as a regular supporter of the NYPD when they come under attack. And I look forward to John Stewart, Stewart being a regular supporter of the FDNY. When things quiet down, you know, when Congress isn't involved. But when cops are under attack and firefighters are under attack, that's when I want to hear John Stewart. That's when I want to hear all the liberals, too. But we won't. We won't. The left wants more and more laws while they violate more and more laws. They have no intention of complying with laws that they don't like. And by the way, this is the same with the left when they're dressed up in black robes and they become federal judges. Same thing. Many of them will not adhere to the Constitution, but for some reason we're supposed to adhere to their rulings. So their rulings are the law, but the Constitution is not. That's always been quite bizarre to me. Before I go to the break, it's a little bit out of left field, but it's important. Chris Kraft, you know, we just celebrated the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. And the left celebrated probably the 50th anniversary of Chappaquiddick. That is the successful cover-up of Chappaquiddick. But Chris Kraft, who you've heard about several days, and many of us heard about long before that, he died today at the age of 95, I believe he was. That's a hero right there. The NASA program in 1969 was spending about $4 billion, Mr. Producer. It spends about 22 or $23 billion today. We put a man on the moon, and today, well, because NASA has been so abused, today we can't put a man on the moon for $22 billion. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Gentlemen, you've probably heard about this, but there's now a movement to rehabilitate Al Franken, a true reprobate. You remember that photo where he had his hands on or was pretty close to having his hands on the breasts of a woman? 
who was sleeping on an airplane, remember? Her name was Tweedin. Remember all that, Mr. Producer? And there are other women, some of whom were thinking about coming forward, but the pressure was on for him to resign, and he resigned. Well, there's a woman by the name of Jane Mayer. She writes for The New Yorker. Complete sleazeball. She's a woman, but not of color, may I say. Jane Mayer is a complete sleazeball the way she tried to sleaze up Clarence Thomas in defense of Anita Hill. She goes way back. The way she went after Kavanaugh, and now the way she tries to rehabilitate Franken. I want to spend a few minutes on this. From our friends at the Free Beacon. Jane Mayer, during the Kavanaugh confirmation fight, wrote arguably the thinnest Me Too story published by an outlet that didn't have Babe in the URL. Mayer and co-author Ronan Farrow for the, they argued for the first time that Deborah Ramirez was accusing the Supreme Court nominee of taking out his male genital and putting it in front of her face when they were both Yale undergrads. Complicating the story was the candid admission that in Ramirez's initial conversation with The New Yorker, she was reluctant to characterize Kavanaugh's role in the alleged incident with certainty. And she only accused Kavanaugh six days later. No other witnesses at the party corroborated her story, while quite a few gave on-the-record statements insisting it never happened. There was the small matter that Ramirez attended Kavanaugh's wedding and smiled in a photo with him. The evidence of Jane Mayer's Kavanaugh story was rather weak compared to your average Me Too story, which is why it's puzzling that Mayer's newest piece is a lengthy diatribe arguing all eight of the women who accused former Democratic Senator Al Franken of impropriety, Democrats and Republicans alike, were mistaken or lying. It's difficult to summarize a 12,000-word piece, but at its heart, the argument is Franken is innocent of groping and force-kissing because a lot of people who like Franken insist he is. Also, he has a family and cries a lot. See, this Me Too movement is fake, ladies and gentlemen. It's, again, it's of the left. It's The ends justify the means. So here you have a leftist, a hack, a propagandist by the name of Jane Mayer, well-known in what she does, which is the opposite of journalism, coming to defense of Al Franken with no evidence whatsoever. Mayer, for example, produces three pieces of so-called evidence, I'll say, that Franken didn't slip model Leanne Tweeden the tongue without her consent while rehearsing a kissing scene for a 2006 USO show. The first is Al Franken denies it. The second is Franken's longtime fundraiser denies he would do something like that. The third is a former SNL writer who says, I've known him for 47 years and he's the very last person who would be a sexual harasser. This so-called evidence is laughable. And Mayer would dismiss it as irrelevant in any other case. Matt Lauer, Les Moonves, Mark Halper, and Roy Moore, virtually all powerful men accused of sexual harassment and assault, have trotted out male and female colleagues alike, will stake their professional reputation on the notion that he isn't the kind of guy, or, well, he never harassed me. In fact, one of the colleagues Mayer quotes extensively defending Franken, comedian Sarah Silverman, is also a shameless supporter of Louis C.K., not here. Let's continue. I believe this is written by Alex Griswold. But it's blocked out here. 
And it goes on. Mayor, uh, the evidence is laughable. Mayor does find some evidence that calls into question certain elements of Tweedin's story. They're usually quite trivial. Contrary to Tweedin's statement, Mayor writes, the photo of Franken pantomiming, grabbing her breasts while she was sleeping, was taken not on Christmas Eve 2006 as, as a final taunt, but on December 21st. What? Well, then, well, they really got her, didn't they? One actually interesting bit of reporting is while Tweedin said Franken uh, told her he wrote a part for her with the sole intention of kissing her, that's actually a line of dialogue in the sketch they appeared in. In the skit, Franken played an officer who has written a role specifically for a beautiful woman so he could kiss her, a role he performed with two other women in two previous tours. They were okay with the kissing. In other sketches, he played a doctor trying to give Tweedin a breast examination and rigs a contest so he can have sex with Tweedin. Mayor treats this as evidence. Tweedin is mistaken or lying about, about her backstage encounter with Franken, and the whole thing was borrowed from his skit, quote-unquote. But that ignores what strikes me as an obvious possibility, namely that Franken's skits about being a creep were meta and self-referential. It's really hard to believe a professional comedian who was thinking up excuses to kiss his attractive co-stars would write a skit about how he wrote a skit to kiss a beautiful woman. And he would then approach the woman and demand rehearsals. Now, even Mayer can't erase the incontrovertible fact that Franco was photographed groping, or just about groping, a sleeping woman who could not consent. Mayer's defense here is once again to gather quotes from sympathetic sources, saying the USO, the USO tour was a raunchy vaudeville throwback. Franco was just goofing around, and people were taking funny pictures, and it was campy, and that makes it better. How exactly? The former SNL star's friends insist to Mayer that the photo was a mockery of someone acting in bad taste, that Franco was adopting the persona of a, well, I won't say it. The joke was about him. He was, do, he was doing, okay, whatever. Again, there again seems to be zero interest in exploring the possibility Franken adopted the persona of a sexist who, was, who wants to grope and kiss women because he wanted to act like a sexist who gropes and kiss women. Elsewhere, Mayor entertains defenses of Franken that are downright offensive. One USO officer said Tweedin's accusations were shocking. shocking. Mayor notes because she participated in other ribald USO skits, including a show with Robin Williams where Tweedin jumped into his arms, wrapped a leg around his way, and so forth and so on. And then you got like eight left-wing Democrat senators like Patrick Leahy and others saying, the biggest mistake I ever made, I should never have encouraged him to resign. No, 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 no. Remember, this is the crowd that defended Ted Kennedy despite all of his uh, sexual abuses and Chappaquiddick. Never forget that. I'll be right back. This is the Octagon of Talk Radio, The Mike Levin Show. Call in now at 877-381-3811. You know, there's these stories that have been bouncing around. I haven't discussed them, not once, about whether or not Ilhan Omar married her brother. You've seen those, Mr. Producer? They're all over the place. But here's the thing. Do you think that would matter to Joe Scarborough? 
Does anybody think it would matter to any host on MSLSD or the Constipated News Network or any of the geniuses writing at the Washington Compost like Philly Bumps or whatever his name is or uh, Tim L. Fink? You think they would care? They could care less. You think Eugene Robinson would care? You think uh, Joe uh, Scarborough would care? None of them would care if she married her brother. No, they wouldn't care. Libertarians would be all excited to say, it's none of your business. Oh, oops, sorry, sorry. That's number one weird story. Number two weird story out there. I'm sorry to tell you this. It's making the rounds. It's out there that some business had to close, Mr. Producer. Did you see this? Because, well, they wouldn't wax a transgender's genitalia. Isn't our culture getting really cool, ladies and gentlemen? We're so liberated. We're so progressive. Let me say this to you, to the two or three out there who might be listening to me on this issue. You want to wax those things, you wax them on your own. Wax them yourself. It's gross. Okay. I said my piece. (laughs) Hello. Our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what is beautiful, and hold up what is good. But the vast majority of them, well, they've abandoned their missions and They're locked in the grip of political correctness. They no longer allow free and open discourse. You know, rejecting the idea of objective truth, they peddle moral and cultural relativism. Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. As Hillsdale celebrates its 175th year, it remains committed to offering its students the very best liberal arts education in the land, as well as to extending its mission nationwide through its many outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. These include free online courses, the publication of its Free Speech Digest and Primus, its Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, D.C., and its Barney Charter School Initiative, which is helping to establish classical K-12 charter schools nationwide. Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Now, this is Hillsdale College, a magnificent college where sanity prevails. Sanity. Sanity prevails. Mike, Toledo, Ohio, Sirius Satellite, go. Hey, Mark, how are you? Okay, thank you, sir. Hey, I uh, was a cop for the last eight years, and I just wrapped up my doctorate degree back in May, and I did my research for my dissertation on 24 officers who were exposed to the Black Lives Matter movement in Ferguson Mm -hmm. in 2014, and uh, the results were pretty unbelievable, uh, the stories that I I got from these 24 officers. Sum up, what did did you find out? Well, Probably 20 out of the 24 were assaulted in some way, whether it be uh, chunks of concrete hit them. Uh, I did interview one officer that was actually shot in the chest. Uh, Most of them had firebombs thrown at them, uh, which you could have seen in the news. But what you didn't see in the news and you never heard about on the news was um, uh, one particular agency. All of the police officers had to stop direct deposit 
for their paychecks because Anonymous hacked the entire department's accounts and uh, they had to take paper checks. And several of the officers had vehicles taken out in their, or purchased in their name, some of them even in Europe. Uh, the fax machine had to be turned off because the debt, death threats were nonstop to this uh, particular agency. Uh, one officer was describing being on the line, uh, working the protest, and his phone rang, and his wife called him and said that there was 40 protesters in his front yard, and they were throwing rocks at her house and uh, banging on the windows and scaring the kids, and there was nothing he could do about it because he was working the protest. Uh, several of the officers I interview have uh, permanent PTSD issues. Um, one black female officer that I interviewed said that her exposure to the protests made her bias against her own race. Isn't it amazing how the hit-and-run media, they're done. They never circle back to see what's taking place in that town. They never circle back to look at the police force and what's happened to the cops. It's just on to the next city, on to Baltimore. Now the Baltimore Police Department has been destroyed for all intents and purposes. It's just the way the locusts on the left, that is the media and others, conduct themselves. But I want to thank you for going back, taking a look, doing your thesis on this, letting us know about it. And I want to thank you for your service, my friend. By the way, don't hang up. I'm going to send you a signed copy of uh, Unfreedom of the Press. So don't hang up. Thank you. Mr. Producer, the signed copies are on their way to you. I should be giving out more of these, quite frankly. You know, I looked at, somebody told me, I looked at Amazon during the break. How could it be that Michelle Obama is number 13 and I'm like number 22? I guess she has a uh, a hell of a following. Incredibly big, loyal following. Beats me. She's the most admired woman in the world. Can somebody tell me why? Why is she the most admired woman in the world? I've never understood her. I've never understood that. And by the way, here we have the Clintons. Having left office, they made $240 million. We have the Obamas who left office. They've made about $100 million. We have Al Gore who left office. He made about $200 million. And, and for the life of me, nobody cares. They care about Donald Trump who made billions of dollars before he came into office. Everything's upside down. It's just it, 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 the, the left is able to do what the left does because our so-called public figures, they lack guts they lack courage they they lack fortitude i guess is the word they just do i mean you won't say that the the republicans in the senate don't they seem like they're lazy long in the tooth huffing and puffing as they go from meeting to meeting no new ideas no ideas whatsoever okay i'm here and then they go home and they run for re-election we're going to cut the budget we're going to secure the border we're going to build up the military we're going to do all these things then they get re-elected all right i'm back i'm back what do you want me to do pathetic let's continue steve allentown pennsylvania sirius satellite how are you okay Thank you for taking my call. I'm a first-time caller. You got it. I just wanted to say thank you very much for everything that you do. I wanted to share with you uh, 
you know, my family had a business for 78 years. My grandfather had started that in the early 1940s. And, you know, I just can't stop thinking about some of the Holocaust survivors. When I was about 10 years old, they used to tell me stories about what happened to them and how they were able to get over into this country. And then I stop and I think about all these things that these political trash say about our president and, and just everything in general. But I'm very fortunate, and I'm deep in my heart and in my head, I'll never forget the stories that I was told from these people growing up. And it's just so appalling. How they throw around these words, even Scarborough and this Eugene Robinson, and they've never experienced, they don't have family members who've experienced this. They, they're not in touch with this history. They, they have ice water running through their veins where they can throw this up as a political quip or as an attack line against the president of the United States. And you have people who are living in this country, elsewhere, of course, but living in this country who've experienced this to listen to this. Tell me, how is it that Trump has 80% support among the Israelis? 80%. Did Obama have 80% support among the Israelis? He had like 5% support. But you're right. To take their memories, to take their, 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 the, the fact of what they went through, and to use it as a political game on the left is really quite unconscionable. Sickening is what it is. And, you know, and... and up until the time I, uh, you know, we sold we sold the business. The, the one of the other ones I remember was people that ran away from the communist regime, and they were coming from Czechoslovakia, and they put their kid in a suitcase so that they could get across the border. I mean, these are the things that you hear from people firsthand, and it's just so unconceivable how these people can even try to correlate what goes on in the real world versus what they're trying to convey to the American people. It's just just absolutely appalling. And this is why it's so important to protect the civil society, individual liberty, a constitutional republic, a true free press, this is why it's so important to defend these, these institutions that are under brutal assault today. I want to thank you for your outstanding call. Don't hang up. I want to send you a signed copy of Unfreedom of the Press. Thank you, sir. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. According to studies, just over 10% of break-ins are planned beforehand. The rest are spur of the moment, crimes of opportunity, in other words, random. Did you know most break-ins happen between 6 a.m. and 6 p.m.? In the middle of the day. Why? Homes without home security are 300% more likely to be broken into. They just figure you're not home. 65% of burglaries are committed by someone that the victim knows. July and August... Well, they're when most burglaries occur. And what's crazy 
is that only one in five homes have home security. Maybe because most companies really make it very difficult to get it. You want to get it easy, and you want it to be the best. And that's why Simply Safe, Safe is my top choice, hands down. Simply Safe protects every door, window, and room with 24-7 professional monitoring. And they make it easy on you. There's no contract, hidden fees, or fine print. It's won a ton of awards from CNET to the New York Times wire cutter. Prices are always fair and honest. Around-the-clock monitoring is just $15 a month. But one thing that truly makes Simply Safe stand out is their video verification technology. When other home security systems are triggered, a lot of the time police assume it's a false alarm and the call goes to the bottom of the list. But Simply Safe uses their video verification technology to visually confirm the break-in, allowing police to get to the scene 3.5 times faster than with other home security companies. Visit simplysafemark.com. SimplySafeMark.com. You'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose. Go now and be sure to go to SimplySafeMark.com so they know I sent you. One more time, that's SimplySafeMark.com. Strongly encourage you to get it. All right. Robert Huntsville, Alabama, the great WVNN. Go! Hey, Mark. Thank you so much for taking my call. It's much an honor. Thank you, sir. Um, so you mentioned at the top of the show, Mueller going to testify, and you also mentioned that the Democrats are essentially all hands on deck. They're practicing what they're going to do and, and how they're going to do it. And I, and I just have to ask, are the Republicans doing the same thing? Shouldn't they be doing the same thing? And Mueller's going to be there under oath. Um, my, my understanding is they are coordinating with one another. I don't know if they're actually doing mock you know, uh, uh, trial, mock, mock hearings, you know, as you do when you prepare for a legal trial in litigation. You have, uh, you have, you have mock judges and mock juries and you, go, and you go at it. But that does demonstrate that not only are they trying to be prepared, that it's a show. It's a show. It, it is a show, but, you know, this show has drug America through two years of, of, you know, to just come out so it's no collusion at the end when you know that Mueller with his team of Democrats and, you know, they should be asking him what his involvement was, you know, um, leading up to the investigation and, and uh, throughout the investigation and his conduct throughout the investigation. I suspect they will. I suspect uh, they will. This is, this is a show for the media, let's be honest. The media wanted this. The media are getting this. The Democrats are doing it for the media. They're coordinating with the media. They have all their media contacts. They're coordinating, I'm sure, with Mueller. So this is a setup. And so the Republicans are going to have to really, uh, you know, work uphill on this. But they can because uh, Mueller's quite vulnerable. Well, this is their opportunity. I mean, this is the last opportunity, if you ask me, to, to bring this public and for them to be public and to, you know, but doesn't it amaze you that Republicans control the Senate and they're doing absolutely nothing? It, it, it does. It's infuriating. It's it's very hard to be a conservative these days, but it's even harder sometimes to be a Republican. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just is. Uh, it's it's a tough situation we're in. Um, and, and I do appreciate everything you do. Your books have helped me articulate uh, conservative points to others. Um, it it uh, I just have to thank you for that. I have. 
pretty much all your books, including Men in Black, by the way, which is when I first started listening to you. And, and Well, you uh, got the first one. Well, listen, don't hang up. I want to send you a signed copy of Unfreedom of the Press, and I really appreciate it. And my goal is still, two, three months into this, to get it in as many hands as possible. And I need your help. I need your help, even those who've already secured a copy. We've got to push this out. This is what we're up against. This is going to make the difference between this this election, whether the president wins or loses. We're not just facing the Democrats. We're facing something much bigger, more ubiquitous, quite frankly, darker and bleaker. The progressives have devoured our freedom of the press. And the book walks you through it step by step by step by step. It's not what you think in the book. That's why you hear people calling who praise the book. That's why when you go to Amazon, there's five stars. Mark, stop talking about it. If I don't talk about it, nobody else is, ladies and gentlemen. Nobody else. You don't hear anybody else on talk radio talking about it. Don't talk about other books. I have to do it. And I really want to encourage you to be your precinct captain in your community, in your neighborhood, to be in charge of getting this message out or with your family to be in charge of getting this message out or with your coworkers. That's how we, we advance the cause of Liberty and that's how we stop them. But unlike any other book, as Cal Thomas put it, unfreedom of the press truly exposes these people who are dressed up as journalists and their lack of standards and their ideological motivations and so forth. Not every single one, but most of them. But most of them. So while you'll hear talk show hosts on radio or on TV lament, there's Don Lemon, and then you got Cuomo, and then you got Rachel Maddow, and you got that, and you got that. This puts it all together. It puts it all together for you and for other people who we're going to need in this battle. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, all of those trying to secure our border. Thank you very much as well. NYPD and other cops, hang in there. America stands behind you, even if your mayors don't. And I will see you folks tomorrow. God bless you. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.